All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. I want to talk a little bit about last year's At Our Sweetheart Banquet. We looked at our marriages in the light of Christ in the church. And we looked at the bridegroom, Christ, and his relationship to the church and how this relates to the husband, relationship and marriage. We looked at the church, the bride, and how that relates to the wife in the marriage. I gave you a small laminated card size reminder to fit along side of your driver. For me, it's my driver's license. Always keep that. So um, it's not something I look at like every day or anything, but occasionally I pull it out and uh, look at it. So I want to go ahead and read those for you. Um, for the guy, I will continually affirm my vows to never leave her. I will watch over and protect my wife. I will practice intimacy with her. I will lead her spiritually by example. I will defend her honor because she is mine. I will shelter her from the world's evil. I will be her best friend and spend much time together. I will never mention, threaten, or give any idea of divorce. I will be attentive to her needs. I will support her in raising the children. I will let her know how perfect she is to me. I will let her know how important. Uh, I will let her know how, oh, how perfect she is to me as well. I will have a jealous, possessive spirit over her. I will give her my everything at my expense. Now all the guys' heads bow down and ooh. All right, ladies. I will give close attention to what he says. I will trust and not doubt. I will be attentive to his leading. I will seek to understand and know his heart. I will heed to and stay under his shelter of safety. I will avert any jealous opportunity. I will spoil him with desire, passion, and intimacy. I will take pleasure in him above all things. The harder it gets, the closer I will draw to him. When there is little, I will be the more thankful. When it is tasteless, I will kiss his sweet hands. When his directives don't suit me well, I will look at it as a gift yet unwrapped. I will make him famous at my expense. Now, if you think about those things, when you think that's the church, that's, you know, us guys, too, can look at that. That's how we are to be to our Lord and Savior. So, anyway, I just want to kind of remind you of that. Now, tonight we're going to remain looking at our marriage in the light of Christ's message to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. We did that last year. Uh, we're going to continue uh, in that. And we're going to look at our marriages in the light of work. If you notice on the table, it has to do, the decorations have to do with work. Because marriages are a work. They're a work of love. We must work at our marriages. As Brother Mike, he's been going through uh, Christ's assessment of the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And as I've been meditating, and usually when this comes, it's usually months before I'm trying to think of, you know, ask the Lord what he wants me to uh, speak about. And uh, I saw that every church uh, was given a specific work to focus on. So I believe these works have direct application for, to our marriages. There's Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamus, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Christ gave commendations but not to all. He gave condemnations, but not to all. But all of them, he gave them a particular thing to attend to, a work 
to be done. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you speak to each of us individually as you only know how. And tell us what work needs to be attended to in our marriages and that we may take that work to task. We want to thank you for the meal, the fellowship, the time to separate as husbands and wives together and the activities we'll be enjoying together tonight. And we thank you all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so that's our start. We're going to go ahead and eat, and I'll have a message uh, after we eat. So you have some instructions. Well, as we're cleaning up, I'm going to go ahead and uh, <clears throat> continue the message. Uh, for the Cumberlages, uh, basically the message is about the work that's involved in marriage, and that's kind of what the decorations are, talking about uh, work. And um, so I want to start out reading uh, something from <clears throat> some research I found on the Internet, so take that for what it's worth. <laughs> says divorce is up among middle-aged and older Americans according to the Bowling Green State University's National Center for Family and Marriage Research. Is that my wife's phone? <laughs> One of the reasons is cell phones. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Divorce rates doubled for 55-plus Americans and tripled for those over 65 from 1990 to 2021. After their kids have moved out, many Americans in their 50s and 60s are more comfortable getting divorced. I think more and more couples have some appreciation for this idea that it's better for the kids' sake to remain married, that your kids are more likely to flourish in school and in life if you remain married, he argued. Putting kids' priorities above the marriage relationship puts many couples at risk, but it particularly hurts couples in their 50s, Wilcox said. His data shows couples who neglect investing time, energy, and attention to their spouses in favor of their kids, struggle to keep that spark alive in their marriage. Beside the obvious reasons of abuse and infidelity, self-centered mindsets and misguided, romanticized views of marriage can also lead couples to divorce, he says. So we're going to look at the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and we're going to look at the Lord as he gives each one of these churches a work. And so the data that I just talked about is was a problem in the church of Ephesus. The church at Ephesus had wonderful, God-honoring works. You could compare it to raising a family. There was a lot of work done in it. It was very well commended for that, but slowly lost its first love. He tells the church at Ephesus, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now this may sound contradicting, but the wonderful work of raising a family, <clears throat> or the hard work to enhance your careers, 
can slowly erode the primary love between a husband and a wife. It's a secret killer. <clears throat> it takes intention and work to stay in love with your spouse. The warning from Christ to this church of not staying in love was a warning that it could have its candlestick removed. The marriage equivalent is a warning of divorce. Different from hidden, ugly marriage issues of infidelity and abuse that rise up quick and end in rage, as, but as with the church at Ephesus, the loss occurred from allowing something good to prevent something great. It's a slow eroding process that can end in a very strange, peaceful, quiet, non-confrontational emotional or emotional agreement. Shocking to all those around them, but not to the couple. They are merely signing to something that ended long ago. The work given to Ephesus and to our marriages today is to stay in love. Stay in love. To keep that spark and that passion as it grows with age. Now the church at Smyrna. <clears throat> this church had a very hard, very heavily persecuted church. And Christ said to them, it's going to get even tougher. He had nothing bad to say about this, but this is a church that had it tough. And he says, it's going to get tougher. You ever notice some marriages who have it particularly hard, nothing to do with the behavior of them, but just plain circumstances of life deal them a difficult hand. One with cancer, another with a debilitating accident, or, or and, and what do they have to look forward to except it getting worse? There's been a couple of wives that we know of, one from Andy's work, one from my work, through some connections who recently died, the lady died of MS, but it was a long period of time of difficulty. You know, we may find ourselves in that position, sometimes lifelong, or sometimes through temporary situations. The odds of having it hard in your marriage, where one of the other of you, which is really ends up to be both of you, to have a difficulty later in life is very high. You know, when you're young, you're all kind of all young, and you grow up together as you get older, you're, that's typically something's going to happen more to one than the other. Jesus never condemns the church at Smyrna, but he tells them of the work at hand. He says, be not fearful, but rather faithful unto death. To remember that there's a reward in eternity waiting for you. He says, be thou faithful, he tells this group, unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. Sometimes in our marriages, just like a runner who's in pain, whose mind is telling us to stop, that we buckle down and keep our eyes on the finish line and run for the prize, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I know of many marriages that need this kind of work ethic, some through temporal situations, while other issues are chronic, and they deal with it the rest of their life. They have, some marriages just have it tough. I look at some marriages, I think, man, how do they handle that? Smyrna was given a work to do. 
a work that our marriages need, the work of endurance. The church at Pergamos, this church had associations with the wrong crowd. Marriages suffer with having wrong associations. Perhaps it's sports buddies. Perhaps it's wrong work associations. Perhaps it's, and I'm going to give you one of my mom's words. I don't know if you'll know this word or not. Raise your hand if you know it. Budinskis. You know about it. Okay, so you're, those are people who get involved in your life or shouldn't be involved in your life and they need to butt out. My mom called them Budinskis. <laughs> wrong associations with the opposite sex at work. Perhaps places where you frequent and develop familiarity that lead to impure conversations. These can and are more common than we would like to think, and these things can even happen to come into families and into churches. We need to get rid of these toxic chemicals, I'll call them, to have that have potential to spill and explode and divide our marriages. The work at Pergamos had a work to do, the work of detachment. Marriage is at its very roots has a detachment theme. Therefore shall a man leave his mother and father to cleave to his wife. But that is just the beginning. Throughout life we must detach or disassociate with people, places, activities, hobbies, and things in our life that preach, I hope you can understand this, a confusing message. They go to church, but they do this. They, do, they say they're a Christian, but they do that. It becomes a confusing message. Who, what, where we associate should preach a consistent message of what we say we believe. Wrong associations produce a confusing gospel to those around us. It teaches us also to compartmentalize God. You know, I go to church on Sunday. That's, I'm with God, but I do what I want to do over here. And it teaches us to compartmentalize our marriages. She likes to do things. I like to do my things. And it's that 50-50 thing that comes out. There's no 50-50 in marriage. It's kind of a contractual way of thinking, which is really set up to separate what should be joined together as one flesh. Now, the church at Thyatira, this church not only allowed wrong associations, but also allowed those influences to teach and to seduce them. We need to get rid of toxic people, places, and things in our life, but that will not stop them from sending us their message. We say we may have shunned the world, but the world will not shun us. We will need to get rid of the wrong message, teaching, and temptations of evil people. How do these people teach and seduce? Phone? TV? None of these are bad in themselves, but I'll tell you, they're there. They, they won't get off of your back. They're there to, to seduce you. What about movies, internet, radio, parties, wrong music? The church at Pergamos associated with them. The church at Thyatira let them have a place of influence in the church. Let me tell you, wrong associations have one goal, to gain control of you. A work of marriage is to stay out of the world, the flesh and the devil. The world is the, and I'm going to put this kind of really 
ugly and bluntly. It's a, a Bible talks about it. A whore who wants to commit adultery against the one we love. You need to see it as that ugly. Our flesh wants to lead, leads us to selfishness, that the pride of life leads us to be in control, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is a great separator in marriage. We are to come out and be separate from the world, separated unto God, and that's what produces unity in the marriage. This is work. The work of separation is to be done in marriage. Now then there's the church at Sardis. Sardis, Christ said that they had a name, that thou livest, but thou art dead, he says. This is a superficial church. It represents a superficial marriage. I've seen families, I've seen this happen. Marriages, and they try to paint a picture that they have it all together to their peers around them and their children. They buy the latest and greatest. They post lies of their happiness on social media and make you all feel like, oh, wow. <laughs> but down in, they, they look good on the outside, but they are dying on the inside. Unless these marriages do something about it soon, it will die. The Lord said, strengthen. He said to this church, strengthen the things that remain and repent. Now I'm going to translate that to you in marriage terms. Quit pretending. Admit you have problems. Get marriage counseling. Then do what is recommended. That's what he's saying here. If you want to translate, that's what it's saying. That, that's a really bad spot to be in. This is the work of humility in a marriage. Don't wait until the last minute to humble yourself. Submit earlier rather than later. There's more to strengthen for one, and it's not as tough to deal with. Next is the church at Philadelphia. This is the picture of a great marriage. Jesus has no condemnation about this church. Jesus describes himself in this church address. He says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, and he that hath the king of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. He's holy, true, and powerful. I believe this is a description of what a great marriage is. There's nothing more beautiful in a marriage than that of holiness. Set apart unto your one and only. There's nothing more appealing in a marriage than a marriage who lives in truth. There's nothing stronger and more powerful to this world as an example of a great marriage. Jesus said to this church, Behold, I'll make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, listen to this, he says, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. This church represents the kind of marriage that the world and religion can't gainsay against. It's a marriage that brings the world to your feet. People run to the feet of a holy marriage. They come because they come, they, they, they're longing to see what true love really is. And here's the proof. Ever notice how 
how popular some of these reality shows are of supposed perfect marriage and families, those who represent holiness and truth. People all over the globe turn to watch, I just threw out a couple of names, Duck Dynasty or the Duggar family. People run to the feet of those who they perceive to be holy and true. They're looking for that. That's how powerful a good marriage is. Quite honestly, for the most part, I believe these families are on these shows are set up by the devil to take these families down, to get the hopes of the world up, then slam them down publicly, that he may dash the thought of holiness, truth, and love, to tear down everything Jesus and his holy true church stands for. Families were not made to live in the public eye of TV cameras. I believe good and true marriages are lived at a local place, evidenced by local members of it. We don't need famous world marriage icons. We need visible icons in every local church of this world. That's what we need. But even great marriages needs work. He gave them a work. Jesus says that it has little strength left. Little strength left of a great marriage. It's going to take a lot. He says to hold fast to the little strength that is left. Let no man take away the greatness of your marriage. A great marriage has the work of holding on to the end. It's a marriage whose end is marked by fighting for it to the bitter end. A great marriage ends with the work it started with, to cleave and to love, never let go of that grip. Second Samuel 23.9, speaking of one of the mighty men of David, it said, After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoahite, one of the three mighty men of David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel gone away. He rose and he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. That's a good picture of what's talking here we get to the end we're going to have little strength he said just cleave to it like this man cleaved to that sword you ever do that i'll tell you what it does happen when you get older when i paint sometimes and i'm painting and sometimes i have to like peel my fingers back off that thing but that's what it's talking about this is what you do in that last part you just with all your might cleave to your wife our marriages need the work of cleaving it's a work of determination then finally jesus addresses the church at laodicea brother mike has not revealed the heading of this church but i think all of them are going to i think they've been starting with a c so i would call this church the clueless church i'm kind of anxious to see if that's what he names it as he's been teaching what a bad state this church was in. They really thought they had it right when they had it all wrong. This was a distasteful church to God. It's a picture of a distasteful marriage, a marriage built on all the wrong things. It is a marriage whose pattern is not of the Word of God, but rather built upon the world's ideas. In its worst form, it is the LGBT crowd. They think They've got it all figured out, and they're all proud of what it is, and they are miserable. 
and sick. In its best light, it's the image of the royal wedding that everybody idolizes. Though it comes in many forms and appearances, they all have one characteristic. They simply are a godless marriage and don't realize it's self-sufficient, self-approved. There's usually, if you go to Hollywood, there's usually about six or seven marriages for every one person in that group. Now, how do you fix something that you don't see a problem with? You know, you kind of come to this last part, well, there's just no hope if you can't see it. You actually know the answer, though. Perhaps you experience this every week in your home, and I hope you do. What about when your wife is dressed for church and she comes before you and says, how do I look? Does this look modest? Every day we probably look in the mirror, don't we? Why do we look in the mirror? Let's see if there's something wrong there. There's a famous movie that God has allowed to teach the whole world this principle. Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Jesus tells this church to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Buy. There is a cost of your time to seek God in his word, to get in front of that mirror. Gold, the word of God, must be considered the most precious thing of your life. You heard of the gold standard? That's the gold standard in the Bible, folks. The word of God is that. Tried in the fire. God's word act upon, practice, burning up the impurities in our life. Church is to be a refining place, a mirror. We ain't going to see it until we let, until we look in that mirror and get in that mirror as much as you can. It's a dangerous place to be. The Bible talks about a group who came before him at the end of their life. They appear before God. Have we not cast out demons and done many miracles in your name? And he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What a horrible place that is. How did they get there? They operated on their thoughts, their feelings, and their own works. They did not operate on God's word. This is the picture of an unsaved marriage. In Revelation 3, this is a picture of the unsaved church. They all have church, but not many saved in the church, just acting outside of God's word, saying this is what's godly. The clueless church. You know, the church at Ephesus, the very first church, was warned that its place would be removed. It would lose its testimony. But the Laodicean church is spewed out like vomit. It is not even recognizable as a church. It gags God. This church has made itself great, but it has gotten away from the Word of God. The only hope for this marriage is the work of the mirror. The work of the mirror. My heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? God can know it. Try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. It is humbling. I'll give you I'll tell you a humbling thought. Has anybody been to the dermatologist? They warn you, they say, you're gonna have to take everything off. We need to see everything. You know, they're pretty blunt about it because they know you're 
but that's their job to check check you out. <laughs> it's humble, isn't it? Word God can be humble. You know, but I did notice the dermatologist, it's kind of funny. They say, oh, that's a that's a weapon. And then find some little spot like like right above my eye. What is that? Where how long have you had that? You know, I had it since I was a kid. There was something that happened that pointed right at that. You know, God can do that to us. Things we don't think about, but he knows. And there might be some things he, it's okay. We need God's word and the obedience to remove whatever needs to be removed or we like to lay it in the church. We got something on our face nobody's told us about. We're walking around with a smile and we got this big whatever on our face. The work of staying in love, the church at Ephesus. The work of endurance, the church at Smyrna. The work of disassociation, Pergamus. The work of separation, Thyatira. The work of humility, Sardis. And the work of determination or cleaving in Philadelphia. And then the continuing work of the mirror that we all lay in the seal. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Show me how to have the best marriage of all. Let's pray. Father, marriage is wonderful, but it's work. And we can get off so easily, but you've got remedies for each of these things. Father, even for the best of marriages, there's a warning and an encouragement to to just hang on. This is an evil, tough world full of sin that just, even of no fault of our own, it just takes our physical bodies, our mental state sometimes. And so, Father, I pray that you've just reached out, as I've prayed before, to touch our hearts in some way that would be a help. Put your finger on something in our life and make it serious that we might do something about it. Thank you, Father, for this time. Lord, just pray for the rest of the evening. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um,